Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Welcome back to episode 46 of the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast with homeschool.com. Today we are having a special type of podcast where we're airing a video series that we've been creating. So without further ado, we'll hop over to that. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie with homeschool.com and welcome to our new homeschool help series entitled The Homeschool Helping Hand. We're hoping that this mini virtual conference can be a helpful resource to homeschool moms and dads. But before we get started, I want to introduce you to our special guest. Uh, Today's co-host is Rebecca Devitt, and she is from New South Wales, Australia. Rebecca, we are so glad that you could join us. Hey there, Jamie. How are you going? We're doing well. And um, it's evening here, so it's morning there. Is that correct? That's right. It's about nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Just to give you some background on Rebecca, Rebecca, I actually have just recently met Rebecca. Um, she is uh, a mom of two. She has two children, and she isn't just interested in homeschooling her own children. She is a Christian um, who was homeschooled herself and wants to help families figure out how they can homeschool. Um, So she's a second-generation homeschooler. Rebecca does a great job on her website, howdoihomeschool.com. So be sure to head over there and pay Rebecca a visit. Um, I will be sure to include links. We'll tag her Facebook page and add any pertinent information to uh, the notes that we'll have that accompany this session. So thanks so much for joining us, Rebecca. Um, I just want to say a few things before we dive in. I'm going to let Rebecca talk for a long time, but this year has gained a lot of new homeschoolers. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners today that are new. But whether you're new or you're an experienced homeschooler, using multiple intelligences to improve and enrich your child's learning should always be a topic of interest. I know it is for me. I've been homeschooling for 14, almost 15 years now. And as I was telling Rebecca, I haven't actually applied these like I want to in my homeschool. So I'm looking forward to today's conversation so that I can even help myself. So Rebecca, can you share with us how you discovered multiple intelligences and what made you want to use them in your homeschooling methods? Yeah, sure. So I guess I started by looking at all the different homeschooling methods and thinking, wow, well, can I use different homeschooling methods to improve my homeschool? And so in that way, I feel like I'm going to be an eclectic homeschooler. But on my journey to look at a lot of the homeschooling methods, I found um, the multiple intelligences theory. And you won't believe where I found it. I found it on the homeschool.com website. So that was really interesting. And I'd never heard of it. And so I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to investigate that a little bit more and see if I can use it in my homeschool myself. Yeah, and I found 
I found that, as you were saying, you can actually apply it to yourself as well as to your children in teaching theory. Um, and if your intelligence collides with your child's, then you're going to have even more fun. Okay, so without hesitation, let's go ahead and let you get into um, your slides, your presentation. You've got some good stuff for us today. Certainly, certainly. All right, so I'll, sh I'll share my screen. Oops. Can you see that one, Jamie? Not yet. Oh, there we go. Is that better? Yes. Okay, all right. I'll minimize this one. Okay, so the multiple intelligences theory. So that's by Howard Gardner. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So first we'll start off by looking at traditional education. So when you think about perhaps your children's experience at school or perhaps your experience when you went to school, you're a bit sick of this. So you're sick of tests that only test for the IQ instead of other things. If you think of schools largely focusing on developing that or perhaps traditional curricula only focusing on developing that, or are you a bit tired of perhaps this was you or perhaps this was your children, are you a bit sick of your children being labelled as unintelligent if their IQ isn't up to the mark, if they're not average? What about um, are you a bit tired of tests only being presented in a written form or lessons failing to reach children because of their boredom, perhaps they can't relate to the examples given. And perhaps you're tired of your kids being really talented in an area, but school just doesn't address that. And so those talents remain undeveloped um, and the kids aren't given credit for it. And that's a bit sad. Would you prefer for the talents to be developed and for kids to be encouraged with their unique talents. I'm talking about things like music, their musical prowess, sports, self-reflectiveness, mathematical abilities. Again, this, this probably does get developed in school, as does words and languages. But things like noticing plant names or animal types, very rarely, perhaps unless you were to go to a Waldorf school, would get addressed uh, in much detail. Um, yeah, so... Before we get started, I thought it'd be good to define what the multiple intelligences theory is. So the definition I got was from Top Hat. So that was multiple intelligences is a theory first posited by the Harvard developmental psychologist Howard Gardner in 1983. It suggests that human intelligence can be differentiated into eight modalities, visual spatial, verbal linguistic, musical rhythmic, logical mathematical, interpersonal, intrapersonal, naturalistic and body kinesthetic, so how you move. Uh, skewing previously narrow preconceived notions of learning capabilities, uh, you know, such as the IQ test, the idea behind the theory of multiple intelligence, and this is the punchline, is that people learn in a variety of different ways uh, through, through these different uh, what they call modalities or intelligences. So it was developed by a Harvard professor called Howard Gardner. Um, he was born in 1943. So he's currently a senior director of the Harvard Project Zero and co-director of The Good Project. He's written hundreds of research articles and 30 books. He's best known for his theory of multiple intelligences in his 1983 book, Frames of Mind, The Theory of Multiple Intelligence. Okay. So... 
So what are the intelligences? We looked at them before. So logical, mathematical, we'll go in through these in a little bit more detail uh, in a bit. Linguistic, so reading and using words, music, musical, visual, spatial, intrapersonal, so that's sort of inside personal, interpersonal, sort of within people, bodily kinesthetic, how you move, and the naturalist, which I love. I love that one. That's probably my favourite. Mm -hmm. So before we get into it again, I just like to, we'll talk about this slide because I feel like we're just looking at the relevance of it. So when you think about perhaps a lecture you've done, maybe you've sat in church and the pastor's talked, and some examples you can really relate to, and others examples you're not really that interested. So an example for me is I go to church and I have one pastor who uh, he loves his sports, so he gives me so many sporting analogies. And, you know, yeah, they're fairly interesting, but I'm not really that into sports, whereas my husband really relates to it because that's his thing. He, he just loves sports, talks about it all the time. In comparison, I love history. So there's another pastor who gives lots of, uh, he talks about lots of historical characters and he uses a lot of those stories. And that's my thing. So when he starts speaking and sometimes when he, he quotes from them, for example, he, he had a quote from Spurgeon the other day and I remembered everything of the story and I remembered the quote because that's my thing. I love it. And so with the multiple intelligences theory, if you can use the illustrations according to a person's strengths, then they're going to tend to remember things more. And so I guess the aim of this PowerPoint is, um, or this podcast, is that you would be able to, I'd be able to tell you about these intelligences, that you would identify those in your children, perhaps in yourself as well, and then you would actually be able to use this to help you educate your children a little bit more. And I'll give you concrete examples so you'll be able to do that. It won't just be theory. So we'll go through the first one is the logical mathematical intelligence. So if you have this sort of intelligence, um, you're going to be very good at reasoning, recognising patterns and logically analysing problems. People who are high in this sort of intelligence tend to think conceptually about numbers, relationships, patterns. They're amazing at traditional IQ tests. They love math and they love being organised. I think a good example of this would be somebody like Sir Isaac Newton, um, just because he was very good at numbers, he was very good at the scientific process. So if you have a child like this, how can you uh, actually apply somebody's intelligence like this um, to your homeschool? You would use numbers. They love numbers. So your traditional curricula are going to do a lot of this. And they would also love debate. This is because children have to apply logic uh, to their arguments, a very systematic way of doing it. And I love debate. It has so many good benefits. I, I encourage you to look into it. And I think the classical education theory also promotes it a lot. Another thing children who are logically or mathematically intelligent will love doing is if, if you do make them do a survey of something and then they'll get to chart the results and they might be able to find different percentages of that. So they're just examples of how you might use that. I think school does actually do this pretty well, all traditional education. Music. Okay, so if you are musically uh, intelligent, you're going to be, these people are going to be good at thinking in patterns, 
rhythms and sounds. They're going to have a strong appreciation of music and they're often good at musical composition and performance. They might be people who are really great at picking up a rhythm, they naturally love music and love to listen to it. And I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who might be this talented, but they sit down at a piano or they start playing the violin and they're brilliant. You think to yourself, wow. Or they might never have played the piano uh, and they sit down and they start playing on it and you're, you're, you're sitting there going, wow, I could never do that. So these are the people, would be the people who would be musically talented. Uh, an example of this might be Beethoven or some of the great composers or um, artists. So these, if you have a child who is musically talented, you want them to learn by using songs. Um, so if you're doing something like the periodic table, you might get them to make a song out of that. And that way they're going to tend to remember it more because that's the intelligence they like to learn with. You could also get them to create a podcast, um, perhaps with some music. That sort of thing. It's, it, it's not as hard as you think creating a podcast. You, you could just get them to, I mean, initially it might not even be seen by anyone, um, but it's just a way that you could get them to learn it or you could get them to be tested by it would be creating a podcast. And they would be more inclined to do that than to just write an essay, for example. Okay, so those who are linguistically talented are going to... Um, uh, are going to love writing those sorts of things. They're going to love speaking. They tend to be very good at writing stories and memorising information and reading. And they're also people who are able to use words quite well. They love making rhymes, creating poems, that sort of thing. Um, a good example of this, uh, a speaker I heard recently was Sir Ken Robertson. I thought he was very talented. And you might know somebody who fits into this category where you just listen to them and you think, wow, they're really good at speaking. They're really good with their words. They've got a really good grasp on that. So if you have a child who is linguistically talented or they have a high linguistic intelligence, you could ask them to give a speech. You could ask them to write an essay or story on it because remember they're good at, with their words. You could ask them to debate, again, they're using words write a script, for a, a script for a play, make videos or design brochures. Could be a way you could use that practically. If you, another one is visual spatial intelligence. So if you have this sort of an intelligence, um, you're gonna be good at visualizing things. When somebody gives you a theory or a concept, you might be able to visualize that quite well. So they're often good with directions, uh, with maps, charts, videos and pictures. If I dropped you uh, into an unknown land, you might be good at finding your way out. You would be good at reading maps if you get lost in a city. Um, and you're going to love visual representations of a topic. <laughs> I was trying to think of an example for this one. And believe it or not, the first example that popped into mind was Bear Grylls. So he's a bit of a TV personality, but um, I like him because he seems quite humble. He was very a very good army person i can't remember what you call them um sas sort of people who are very fit and um talented and with bear grills so on his tv shows they would drop him into a jungle in the middle of nowhere and he would have to i, don't, I think he had very very little equipment um, but he would have to find his way out and figure out where he was and find his way out of the jungle um to civilization 
and then they would pick him up. So he would have very good uh, visual spatial awareness. If you have a child who is, um, is talented in this manner, you could get them to draw a diagram, illustrate a group project. Again, you're getting them to visualise it. You get them to develop a PowerPoint presentation. Um, with a PowerPoint presentation, it's often very good to add pictures uh, because the pictures often have to match what you're saying. And so the person has to think about it that way as well. You get them to use symbols or colours to help them make sense of their notes. Uh, and these are the people when you, you might see them and they have a book and they have all these colourful post-it notes stuck out of it. Um, <laughs> and so these are going to be uh, intelligent in that way. So intrapersonal, so within yourself. So these are people who are going to just love doing things like journaling. They're aware of their own emotional state, feelings and motivations. And they tend to enjoy self-reflection and analysis, including daydreaming, exploring relationships with others and assessing their personal strengths. I couldn't really think of an example of this, um, but I thought perhaps these people would be more inclined to be introverts. I could be wrong on that, but it's just something that popped into my brain that I thought, oh, this sort of reminds me of somebody who is a little bit more like that. So you, for these people, uh, for people who are intrapersonally talented, you get them to think up ways on how they might test themselves on a subject. Ask them to think about weak points in their learning and what they might do to strengthen themselves in that area. You could ask them to keep a journal and ask them to summarise what they've learned in a blog or an essay. Interpersonal, so sort of um, with the people around you, uh, again, I found this one hard to think of an example um, and I thought they might be slightly more extroverted. Um, where is my, there we are. So people who are intelligent like this, they're good at understanding and interacting with other people. They're individuals that are skilled at assessing emotions, motivations, desires and intentions of those around them. So CEOs are a very good example of this. I think they, they have to be very good at understanding the dynamic, what people are doing and how to motivate them to work on their best, if it's a good CEO, that is. And I think the best CEOs are very, very good at that. So if you have somebody who is interpersonally um, intelligent or talented, they're good at talking. So let them teach others I remember a great tip and this is something my brothers did this they used to teach me mathematics because I wasn't very mathematically intelligent but they're a little bit more so that way they used to teach me the subject uh, and in teaching me the subject they actually learned it so much better themselves and so in this way if you can get um, children to teach others around them they're going to learn it themselves and they'll be really motivated to learn it as well because they're going to want to know the topic to be able to teach it well to the other children. And the other children um, often love learning from siblings as well. Okay, so bodily kinesthetic. So when you think about this, I tend to think about people who are a really great sports people who can move very well. I heard an example of this. There was a boy who he was riding a bike and he fell off the bike and instead of crashing and scraping his knees he instead fell down did a funny roll and then just jumped up 
and he wasn't hurt at all because he was so quick when he fell off his bike that he was just able to roll and get up and, and he was quite aware of what his body was doing. So they're good at body movement, performing actions and physical control. People who are strong in this area tend to have excellent hand-eye coordination and dexterity. Very coordinated. A good example of this might be most um, professional sports people. So, you know, Michael Jordan with his basketball. If you have a child who is bodily or kinesthetically intelligent or talented, you could do division by using sporting analogies. Uh, again, they're going to be love the pastor's sporting analogies. You could get them to act out a skip because that way they're using their body. Do a dance, physically stimulate a scientific process. Um, using manipulatives in maths instead of just numbers would be really helpful here um, because they get to move around and they'll understand it more. Make them build a model with clay or create a collage about an important concept. So the last one is just about them moving things um, because they're, I guess they're talented in that way. It just, it just not doing pen on paper things and moving away to teach them uh, more with movement. Okay, this is my favourite one. Um, and perhaps it is my favourite one because it, it was what I was, when I did my quiz, it was what um, I got a high score on. But and it's a naturalist. So people who just love being outside. It's probably the theory also that's, um, I guess, had the most criticism because um, it is a bit different, but these people are often interested in nurturing, exploring the environment and learning about other species. They're said to be highly aware of even subtle changes in their environment. So there you go. But they, they would love to be outside with the plants and the animals, learning the names of them, learning what they do, perhaps owning animals, that sort of thing. And they love being out in nature. They'd love... Um, yeah, they'd love to have a pet too. David Attenborough was the example I thought of here. He loves nature. He loves recording it. So if you have somebody who is a naturalist, these kids love learning from nature. Um, if you've ever investigated the Charlotte Mason homeschooling method, it's really interesting because it gets people out, it gets children out in the garden learning from that. So if you have a child who's all naturalists, you must check out that method because it's highly relevant here. Um, you could do maths by using flora and fauna, say divide by rose petals, something like that. But measure that you could measure the distance from the top of the tree. I remember reading a Charlotte Mason, um, one of her things, and she would do algebra off, off um, tree, the shade that a tree made. Um, Okay, so how would you find this out? So you could find it out in two ways. You could observe your child. You might know what they're good at. You can also do an online quiz to find out. So the one I did was at literacynet.org. I've got the link there. And it'll probably be, um, I'm sure Jamie will put it in the show notes. Um, so I did it and it was quite a surprise to me. I think I scored well in linguistically and and. Um, in the naturalist field and when I, I think when I realized that it made me go oh yeah I am really good at that and it made me want to pursue it knowing that I was quite good at that so what about our weak points okay so you, you, you do the quiz and you're like okay I'm really talented at that but oh I'm just rubbish at music or 
I'm just rubbish at the bodily kinesthetic uh, side of things. Uh, should I ignore that? And I think, I think the answer is no. I think it's, we need to play to our strengths, yes, and it's really important to know them. And I think it makes learning easy if we do that. But it's also good to be aware of your weaknesses. Um, and you might want to develop those a little bit more. So an example is I actually scored very poorly on the musical intelligence and that's okay, but I've actually taken up piano to learn a little bit more to have, I guess, a bit more of a, a rounded knowledge in those things. And that might be a decision you or your children might make. Uh, another thing, I think this theory cops uh, a bit of flack by using the term intelligences. Um, and I was looking at the different arguments and I actually I really wish that they use the word talents. And you might have noticed that I did use that word throughout this presentation. Um, just because I think the word intelligence is usually associated with IQ. So people get a bit confused. And a lot of people go, well, we've already created a word um, for these intelligences that Howard Gardner is talking about. And it's called a talent. Um, and so I think, I think it might be more useful to call that developing your talents, maybe instead of developing your intelligences, but that's something you can uh, choose to do. And so when I was looking through these methods, I thought, oh, can I use this homeschooling method on its own? Uh, does it have its own curriculum? Am I able to do that? And I don't think the theory is developed enough to be able to do that um, yet. So I think the answer is no. You'd use that in conjunction with another homeschooling uh, method. If you don't know what homeschooling method uh, you might be interested, make sure you head to my website, howdoihomeschool.com. There's a little tab up the top. It's a quiz tab, and you can navigate to that one and sign up, and I'll send you a really detailed homeschool quiz, which you'll enjoy. Okay, so how to go forward from here. What can you do? So you need to discover what strong talents um, your children have, so you can do that quiz. By the way, the quiz is not uh, approved by Howard Gardner as such. This is a quiz that people have put together. Um, so he hasn't approved that, but I actually think it's pretty helpful in discovering our strengths and weaknesses. Also think about how you can personalise um, your kids' education by using their talent. You, you might be quite surprised by the results. I actually was. And then have fun. Have fun as you see your kids engage with the topic more. Um, you, I think you'll have fun thinking about those teaching strategies as well. So thank you so much for listening. Feel free to contact me at uh, rebeccadevitt at howdoihomeschool.com. And, yeah, thank you for a lovely session. So you can ask me any questions you want. All right, so Jamie, you have done, you've done this quiz, and so I'd love to hear about your results. Okay, so I went ahead and accidentally deleted my, my results, so I'm going on my memory, <laughs> which may not okay. be a good thing. Um, so I remember that I scored the highest, I don't remember what the score was, because it's like, what, four point something, three point something. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> visual spatial, <laughs> I was yeah. the highest. And then um, let's see, what was the other one? Logical was 
either second or third, but it was up there mm -hmm. pretty high because that is the numbers. The, the maths are heavy in that, and that is yeah. one of my passions for some strange reason. <laughs> I love numbers. <laughs> and then um, the, what was that one back there? The, is that musical? What's it called? That's, is the music part of the logical one? Or was that separate? Probably separate, yeah. Okay. Musical okay. intelligence, yeah. Okay. So the musical intelligence was in my top three. And then I had um, the naturalist in there as well. Ah, that was very cool. Five. Okay. Were you surprised about your results? I would say probably the first two, not so much, you know, because I, I kind of sort of knew those already just from my time in school and college and teaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Then the naturalist kind of, it did surprise me, but then kind of like you said, I was, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I love my rose garden. I'm out there. That's like my hobby. Um, I love being outside. We live in the middle of 10 acres of woods. And, you know, so we enjoy going out. We have a little path in the back. So, yeah. I guess it, it fits and I just never thought about it. So mm -hmm. I should say with the intelligences, um, you can actually increase just like you can increase your IQ by working on it. You can actually increase your intelligence scores in different areas by working on it. Um, and, you know, an example might be when you buy your first house, all of a sudden you have a garden, you start tending and you have to start getting a bit more wise in that way. And, and, your say your naturalist intelligence would be increased absolutely i loved what you said about taking piano lessons i think that's a wonderful example of how you know we can even as parents use it to help improve ourselves you know so we're mm. we're always learning it's a lifelong journey of learning it's not just something that is done when you're in school so i really enjoyed that absolutely you had mentioned mm -hmm. that about the controversy uh, about calling it intelligences. And I think mm. here, here in the States, a lot of people tend to call them smarts. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I do think the word talents makes a lot of sense because it's mm. something innate, something that's within us, you know, so it describes it well, I think. Mm. Absolutely. I was going to say, I love the idea of, uh, and probably it's something that really draws me to homeschooling as a parent, being able to learn alongside your children. So I love the idea. And I've actually started pre-learning Latin uh, because I love, I love the idea of that. I, I, um, and I'm going to teach my child piano and Latin when they're a little bit older as well. Um, and the idea is sort of upskilling myself so I can upskill them. But I'm having so much fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I did that too. I taught mine Latin when they were younger. Um, then when they started getting into middle school and high school, the, there were some other things that kind of played into it and some of their personal goals. And we got away from that. But I think that's a very, mm -hmm. very good ambition. Um, one other thought that I had, I thought maybe we could talk about was trying to, and you, and you did touch on it, but trying to align these different intelligences with homeschool methods 
Um, mm-hmm. and you did that with Charlotte Mason. I was just trying to think through some of them and, you know, just kind of let my mind go and see, okay, well, what method or even kind of curriculum would align with that as you were talking about the intelligences mm-hmm. and going through all of those. Um, but I like what you said about taking a quiz. I think that's very helpful. Finding out what your natural tendencies are toward which one of the homeschool methods. Um, but I think one of the things that has kept me from really digging deep in this, and, and it's kind of my goal, personal goal within the next year or so to start using this more in my homeschool and for my, for my girls, um, and just trying to make it work with some of the methods that I'm currently using, you know, which I would, mm. think we would tend to be more kind of traditional, eclectic. We do some online, um, mm. but I loved how you gave examples, how we could bring it down to the day-to-day learning and, you mm-hmm. know, just doing this project or doing this assignment that supported that in certain ways. Mm. Look, I think it definitely does take a little bit more thinking. You have to Think a little bit more. Okay, so my child is not in, he's not logically or mathematically talented. How am I going to make this work? My child is crying over their math. How can I make this fun? And you go, okay, so my child is uh, kinesthetically talented. They love music. Okay, so let's go get a board game that's going to teach them these math skills. Let's make this fun. Let's make it move. Let's make it a little bit competitive. And so it does take a little bit more thinking, but then if you're going to compare that little bit more thinking with your child crying over maths and that being the most miserable part of your day, um, that was me all over. Um, but I would, have, I would have loved a board game, something like that. And so it is a little bit more thinking, but it's so much more rewarding. Your kids are going to love it. And you're going to love homeschooling if you make it fun. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the bottom line. You know, I mean, we're, we're doing this because we want the best education for our children. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we're trying to make something work that doesn't really work and everybody's miserable, mm-hmm. you know, what are we doing? But taking mm-hmm. them, like you said, finding things that are fun, finding things that motivate them makes a difference mm-hmm. than people, you know, my children are finding joy in the day. I'm finding joy mm-hmm. because they're, they're happy and they're motivated and not grumbling. <laughs> I think it, it really makes for all around everybody a better experience. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time spending it with us today and helping us understand this, this concept, this theory better. Mm, no worries. It was a joy. <laughs> Thanks. And you have a wonderful day. I will do. You too.